Welcome to the Milestone Church Podcast. Whether you are at home, on the road, or at work, we hope you find this message encouraging and helpful for your life. You can watch other messages just like this one on our website at milestonechurch.com slash messages. Well, I want to welcome each and every one of you back to the second message in our prepare week. If you're new with us, this is a week of emphasis for our church that includes the vision and direction for the year, prayer and fasting. And so we had our first message last weekend. We had some great services this week. I want to tell you how proud I am of all of you for your participation in Prepared this year and then this weekend putting a book in and next weekend we're excited about starting Hearing God. I want to look in the camera there and welcome our McKinney campus, our Hazlitt campus, all of you that are joining us online. We're so glad that you're here with us this weekend. The word for us at Milestone this year is discipleship. I shared it and there's like three people. People are like, uh, that sounds close to discipline. I don't want that. Uh, that sounds like going to school, you know? And I realize, let me say up front, I realize, I know where you live. I know, I'm a pastor, I'm connected. I know I could do like a series on five ways to have a body by God. How to celebrate the new you. I could give you four ways to improve whatever, whatever, whatever. But I didn't come up with this target. I didn't come up with this target. It's, it's an emphasis point from Jesus. I'm going to show you today from the word that Jesus said. And it's so amazing that every gospel ends up here and the first of Acts, yet we gravitate so easily and so far away from the target that Jesus has given of discipleship. Now, some of you, I want you to know, last weekend I started us, but, but, but this weekend I, I want to give you kind of a, a, a master class a little bit. I want to I get in the weeds a little bit, like try to help you in this area. But we defined it as this, it's just one Christ follower helping another Christ follower take their next step. We, we all go further when we have help. We, we all go further with a coach, with a trainer, with a helper, with someone in our lives. Now, before you guys all tune me out and you're like, well, that's what people in the ministry do. Like, that sounds so churchy, discipleship. No, 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 you care about this. You know, you care deeply about it. If you're a parent, you care about this because you got some young disciples at your house. You got some young people you're trying to help take their next step. If you're a team leader, if you're an aunt, if you're a grandmother, if you're a friend, if you have people in your life that you care about, you care about what I'm talking about. And we get overwhelmed by it. It's like, oh, what's included in all of that? It's helping someone else take their next step. It's helping them take their next step. And so last week I started with, if you're going to study discipleship according to Jesus, you have to start with be a disciple. Jesus starts with what's inside of us before he starts with what's outside of us. So you got to be a disciple. He starts with follow me. Where are we going? Don't worry about that. Just follow. Just take your next step. So be a disciple. This week I want to talk to you about Make a disciple. Because disciples make disciples. Orange trees make oranges. Lemons make lemons. And 
Disciples make disciples. And some of you are like, man, how do I get to that? I want to help you. I want to start by the very most important thing that I can tell you before I get into the weeds of the how-tos and the nuts and bolts. I need to start at the beginning place and tell you a story that's one of my favorites. I was 11 years old. My dad was old school. Like, he invented old school. He had a 1970 model Ford pickup, three on the tree. Come on, somebody. I was 11 years old. I was standing out in the yard playing football with my friends. He rolled down the window. How many old enough to know? Some of you are like, he did what? He rolled it down. He rolled it down. He leaned out the window. He said, boy. Now, my dad was old school. I'll never forget, I came to him one time. I said, so-and-so gets paid to mow their yard. So-and-so gets paid, dad. He's getting paid. He's getting allowances. My dad's like, hold on a minute. My, my dad was old school. He, he didn't believe he needed to pay anybody to mow his yard. That's why he had kids, free labor. He's like, hold on. Like, his dad pays him to mow his yard? Yeah. Get out there and mow the yard. <laughs> he rolled down the window. He looked at me. He said, boy, when I get home, these leaves better be raked. Now, I grew up in northeast Texas where we had leaves because we had trees. You guys here where we live now, we got bushes on steroids. There was lots of leaves out there. He said, when I get home, these leaves better be raked. I'd never had a training in leaf raking. I'd never had a master class or a YouTube video on how to rake leaves. I just went to the shed and got a rake. I started raking them away from the house. And man, the weight of those leaves got bigger. There was moisture underneath them, and I'm starting to pull on them. And next thing you know, I realized that I am not very skilled in manual labor because right inside of my thumb, anybody know what I'm talking about? I'm losing skin. Ah! That hurts. It's like, man, man, this is, and so I had a major idea as an 11-year-old. I thought, why rake them when you can burn them? <laughs> now, my dad loved his St. Augustine grass, so I went in the house, got one of them old school mad. When my dad pulled up, it looked like a nuclear bomb had went off at his house. It was stuff smoldering. You're like, why do you tell the story? Well, sometimes in this discipleship journey and in the make a disciple, you're going to make the wrong decision. You're going you're to burn some stuff. You're going to mess up. You're going to make way. If you don't hear anything else I'm saying online or anywhere, if you have received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior... He has saved you, redeemed you. You're a new creation. This may not be a popular message to preach to the masses in January. Get a rake. Because you're in the game. You're in the game. You're in the make disciples arena. And Jesus is rolling down his window right before he goes into heaven and said, when I get home, when I come back, these leaves better be raked. He gives us the assignment. So make a disciple. I, I realize this is hard. And by the way, this is the context of what you've walked into. We didn't want to be a mob of people, but a family. Our church has grown larger. We've had different buildings and different campuses now, but this is at the very core of who we are. I'm a disciple maker, not because I'm a pastor or a preacher, but because I'm a follower of Jesus. It's at the core of who we are. And so you've experienced it. In fact, the joy I have today 
meeting the new people that come to our church, seeing what God does, the, the, the week that we've had, but it's still for me the people that discipleship has impacted their life. I thought of one this week like Wade Carroll. He's at the Hazlitt campus. Wade is an interesting guy in the sense that he was a fireman and he was the assistant fire chief, I think, in South Lake. He, he's been at our church for 17 years along the way in the journey when we were in the grocery store behind Taco Casa. He came and interned with us. He, he's like, why do you need a fireman at the church? Because we got lots of fires. Come on, somebody. We're putting out fires all the time. But he didn't learn about fires. He learned about development and growth and he worked on the facilities team and he was hanging around and building and growing and I just thought about Wade this week because he asked for some of our pastors to come pray in Westlake at the, at the opening of the meeting. He's, he's now the Westlake city manager. He went from fire department assistant chief to fire chief to trophy club fire chief to the trophy club city manager to now he's the Westlake city manager and he finished his degrees and he got a master's degree and he's, he's just been growing along the way and he points back to a time where some people took interest in him, not just me. Team members began to pour into him. When I use the word discipleship, you think I'm talking about church. I'm talking about life. I'm talking about what God has planned for your life. You always go further when you have people that are willing to invest to help you get to where you're called to go. And so that's part of the journey. I, I'll tell you one more story and then I'm gonna tell you a Bible story for a minute. I walked out of a service last weekend Ran into a guy. He said, hey, pastor, I want to introduce you to my pastor. We had pastors and church leaders here this week that we were pouring into because we don't just love our church. We love the church. And they were some coming to our services. I'm kind of still amazed that they would want to come. It was like, we're just doing what we do. We just be in the church, you know. But this guy said, I want you to meet my pastor. I said, I want to meet your pastor. I introduced myself to him. I start talking. I said, tell me your story. This gentleman told me that he came to our church when we were behind Taco Casa. He got in the grow track. He went to 301. His 301 leader took interest in him. It wasn't a program. He started pouring into his life, helping him, growing. He made friends. He said, I started just growing like I never had before because I was involved in discipleship. He said, I then went through one of the development groups, man. I never done that. 10 months, 6 a.m. Are you joking me? He said, Thank God I was paying attention. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, my family was transferred to Nashville. I got there and this guy here who was there, he, the pastor died at the church of an aneurysm and they made this gentleman here, my pastor, the pastor. And then I became the associate pastor. He said, I didn't know I was moving to Nashville to become an associate pastor but thank God I was paying attention. And I brought my pastor back here to show him how we can build our church to make disciples. Some of you are out there going, that's not an encouraging story. Are you telling me if I become involved in this discipleship thing, I may become an associate pastor? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I know this. You are always taking steps today in preparation for what Jesus has for you tomorrow. So the reason you need to be taking those steps today, yeah, it's a great place to clap. He has great things in store for you this year and preparing you for tomorrow. Who knows what it is? I'm thankful that a man took me into his home. 
I honored him. I did his funeral that my pastor let me preach at 16, took me into his house on Wednesday nights and discipled me. Little did he know, this knucklehead kid from East Texas, that he was bringing into his house with his little kids and his wife trying to cook a pot of spaghetti. He was pouring into my life that I'd be a senior pastor at the age of 21. Thank God my pastor didn't just preach to me, but he discipled me. Because I didn't even know what I had in preparation ahead of me. Let me tell you a story about a guy named Timothy. It's a Bible story. This guy, Timothy, he's, he's big presence in the New Testament. But his journey started with some spiritual ladies. How many of y'all thankful for the moms and grandmas that prayed us all into the kingdom? Man, thank God for them. He had an aunt. He had a grandmother that was praying over him. But in Acts 16, the apostle Paul came along and walked into his life. It says that his dad was a Greek, his mom was a Jew, and Paul didn't say, come attend my YouTube video session so I can talk to you about a bunch of information. He said, hey boy, you're coming with me. Come on with me. Took him on the journey. Now I think what's humorous to me is the, there's spiritual implications and biblical reasons why we don't have time to get into it, but I think what's interesting is his first stop in the journey was he circumcised him. Pretty tough discipleship. Uh, I like to say it this way. Your grandma will pray for you, but your daddy will cut you. But anyway, it's just, <laughs> that's a different message. He took him and began to pour into his life. Come with me, come with me, come with me. And Philippians 2.19 says this, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon. I have no one else like him who will show, I love this, the impartation of discipleship that happened in Timothy's life, who will show you genuine concern for your welfare. He really cares. For everyone looks out for their own interest, not those of Jesus Christ, the apostle Paul said. But you know that Timothy has proved himself. He's got a chance to get in the game. Remember this discipleship word is not information, it's apprenticeship. So he's caught some stuff. He hasn't just been taught some stuff. He got a chance to do the stuff. And he's proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served me with me in the work of the gospel. Now, if you've ever been around discipleship or something, there can be some imbalances just like any good thing in the kingdom. Let me, let me set some people at ease. We're not making disciples of ourselves. These are not clones. Unity is not uniformity. We're not trying to make someone like us. It's not just, uh, Timothy ended up pastoring the largest church at that time, 50,000 people. He could, God could have done it any way he wanted to, but that's how he did it. But at the essence of what Paul's saying is, I didn't make Timothy like me. I helped Timothy become more like Jesus. That genuine concern and welfare for others is a model of Jesus' servant heart that was imparted to Timothy. And then you hear in the pastoral epistles, this Timothy would receive from Paul the patterns we use today to serve his church and to serve his people. 2 Timothy 2.2, and in the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people, Timothy. Here's your pattern, like kind of antiquated. Well, why don't you become a, why don't you become an Instagram influencer why don't you just get a big event? Why don't you put on a crusade? Why don't you have a quick fix? No, 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 Timothy, here's what I need you to do. I need you to hear these things 
And then in the, that you've heard in the presence of many witnesses, I need you to entrust those to reliable people who will be qualified to teach others also. The way of discipleship. The multiplication strategy that can impact Nashville when you don't even know it. Because it begins to work. See, and you say, well, where did Paul get this? Where did he get this strategy? Was there a seminary or a church growth conference? Or did he watch some smart person on YouTube? No, no, he got it from Jesus. Jesus, we are here, friends, today. How we can deviate, how we can lose sight of this. We are here today not because Jesus just preached great messages. In fact, a lot of people didn't understand his messages. We're not here because he picked the most talented followers. He grabbed a bunch of no-name fishermen that were knuckleheads. We're here today because Jesus Christ himself loved the crowd. Some can think, some of you are like, I'm glad we're preaching on discipleship. It's time for the church to get back to truth. Jesus loved the crowd. He would heal the sick, love them, feed them. In fact, he would get on to his disciples for having a disdain for the crowd. But he didn't build on the crowd. He poured his life into these disciples. That was Jesus' strategy. And he told us this, every gospel, first of Acts, Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. I told you last week the word go is as you are going, really. Like, that, that's really better translated. Boy, there's a lot of Christian people in today's church market that are on the go. We're going to this, going to this event, going to that, reading this, going to this Bible study. We on the go. But go's not the operative impact verb. The verb is make. Make. Make disciples. Get a rake and make disciples. On purpose, intentional, you have to make disciples because they don't make themselves. They don't make themselves. So you make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Before Jesus goes to heaven, he says, I got the right to set the agenda. For 20 years here at Milestone, if you come to 101, if you haven't, you should come. I'm reminded some of you of what I've said. And, and, and again, like it's like a weekend talking about this. Why? Because Jesus made it clear. 20 years, we said, our goal, make a disciple. Well, where did I get that agenda? Not from a consulting firm, from the King of Kings and Lord of Lords who set the agenda. He said it clearly. Now, some of you are like, okay, it's kind of like a realtor showing you a house. Some of you are listening to me. You're like, Pastor Jeff's really excited. This seems like a big deal. I think it's in the Bible. <laughs> and you're like, I'm showing you the house. And you're like, now, if I put my couch over there, you're, you're in the house. You haven't chosen to buy the house yet, but you're kind of thinking about where you might put your furniture. Let, let me tell you why you might hesitate, because there's some common barriers. Number one, it's the biggest one I run into with people. I, I don't feel qualified. That's where a lot of people are. I just, I'm not qualified. There is this belief among Christians that we're going to have this moment where we'll, we'll, we'll have like the perfect sermon, the perfect Bible study, the perfect learning. There'll be an angel come down into your room and be like, you are ready now. No, 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 no. That's not how it works. Like you grow as you go. 
I'm, I'm talking to some of you about your home. You got, some of you got a five to seven year old kid, you got a teenager, you've got some people around you right now, like there's some windows there. Can I talk to some of you as a little bit older guys got kids out of the house? Parents, listen to me. Don't miss the window. Don't miss the window. It's not about your qualification. Nothing in life do you ever really feel qualified for. You begin to get confidence as you do it. So there's no qualified moment. I'm too busy, and we are busy. I'm busy, I'm busy, I'm busy, I'm busy. Don't be too busy for what you really care about. Don't be too busy for what's really going to matter. The third thing is, where do I get one? Like, that's what a lot of people go, man, I'm ready to do this, man. Where do I get one? I'll tell you a good place to get one today. AT&T Stadium, there'll be a bunch there. Um, I'll tell you another place to get one uh, for the last couple of days. Anywhere around Home Depot or Lowe's where they have them styrofoam things that go over your faucet. I was there. I was at the, they put them at the front of the store. And, and I just stood there. Praise the Lord. God bless you. God, yeah. I'm just blessing people. They were coming in droves. The milk and eggs area of Kroger. Because some of y'all not from Texas, we, we kind of like freak out when the temperature goes below 32. So it's just, ah! So they just ransack Kroger like COVID, you know. Was like, How do I know? I was there. I was. We'll take some of that. That's right. Yeah. They're everywhere. They're everywhere. They're everywhere. And a lot of us think I got to go to Africa. I got to go to somewhere. No. There's a Greek word called oikos, which means that's your sphere of influence. Like it's your kids. It's your grandkids. It's your friends. It's your nephews. It's your nieces. It's your employees. It's the young person on your team at work who you have no idea how they would respond to your investment in their lives. Just, just being available. So those are a lot of times the barriers. I want to go right now in our last few moments, I want to get in the weeds, if you will. I want to teach for a minute, not as much preach, and walk you through, if you say, this year I'm going to do this, what do I do? Number one, you have to pray and select a person, a place, a person, an intentional, on purpose, on your calendar, we are going to get together. Discipleship is not a program. It's a person. It's an individual, a breathing, living human being. Jesus himself. I love to bring my prayer requests to Jesus. I bring my needs to Jesus. This week I had a prayer card. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but we come to Jesus. Will you help me, Jesus? Help me in my job. Help me with my kids. Help me, help me, help me, help me, Jesus. Have you ever asked Jesus what he would like you to pray about? Because Jesus actually said in one point in scripture, I need you to pray about this. Jesus, you've taken so many of my prayer requests. It's so good for me to hear what's on your heart. He said it this way. Don't say three or four months and then a harvest. One day there'll be a harvest. He said, lift up your eyes. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Pray to the Lord of the harvest. Oh, Jesus, you want me to say a prayer on your behalf and on your agenda and what's on your heart? I'll do that. Pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth workers into his harvest fields. What did Jesus do? He prayed and he selected. He brought some people to him. I, every year, don't just pray about my what, I pray about my who. The who's more important than the what, by the way. And Lord, where do you want me to invest my time? And who do I need to invest in? And who will I invest? Who do you want me to disciple? Who? 
Pray and select that sphere of influence. Number two, you spend time with them. It's more caught than it is taught. The Bible says Jesus went and prayed, and then in Mark 3, 14, he appointed 12 that they might be with him. Be with him. I never travel alone. If I don't have my wife with me, I bring one of the younger leaders or somebody I'm pouring in time to. It's good for me. I have accountability. It's good for them. They come with me. Hey, look what I said. What do you think about that? What do you think about this? There's so many conversations on the travel, back and forth. You, you don't have to even, yes, I think you should have a moment. I would recommend, we're going to have our Hearing God series, but throughout the year, if you wanted to use our foundations material, that's why I created this. We have so many new people that have gotten saved here in our church. Grab somebody, grab a young person, say, hey, you and me, coffee, I'm going to help you get foundations in your life. And man, you're sowing seeds for their future. The most important part of the house is the foundation, making sure that it's stable, but also just, hey, come with me. I'm going here. Come there. Be with me. And then what happens is as you're with them, there's an impartation that begins to happen in their life. Number three, you increase your commitment to holiness. You know, Jesus could just ascend out of heaven and save the world. Why did he use this challenging, organic ownership strategy? And why, why, why did he do that? Well, I will say one thing. If you're not discipling people, there's a level of holiness that you haven't come to yet. Because there is a level of holiness that comes just from the pure presence of God. When you get close to Jesus, you care about what breaks his heart. You don't quit this and stop that, as I said last week, travel light just because that's wrong and don't do this. You do it as you get closer to him. He begins to burn those things out of your life. As you abide in him, you begin to bear better fruit. The water gets sweeter as you begin to get flooded with his living water. But I think there's another element that changes you. When you put people around your life, you start thinking about the example that you are to them. I, I think it's, it, it's good for people in my position. Why do I make disciples? makes me better. They're around my life. I got to think about how I talk. I got to think about what I do. I got to think about things that just because I can doesn't mean I should. Any parents in the house? Johnny's over there. You hit your thumb. Bleep. Johnny goes to school. He drops his book. Teacher's there. Bleep. Johnny, you can't say those words. Johnny, where'd you learn those words? My daddy said that word. They'll, kids will tell on you, by the way. Y'all do know that. They'll tell the whole story, the whole truth, nothing but the truth. You start thinking about how you talk, how you interact, how you interact with people. Why? There's a Bible verse that blows my mind. Jesus said, I sanctify myself for the sake of my disciples. He's the son of God. I have trouble Jesus talking about sanctification. He obviously is fully God and fully man, but he's not talking about, oh, I'm cleaning up my life and getting rid of sin. What he is saying is there's some things I've chosen to do around you guys because I'm modeling this lifestyle in front of you. By the way, you're like, now what am I really looking for? Am I looking for some holy people? Do I have to be perfectly holy? No, I'm increasing in that. If you're saying, what kind of disciple am I looking for? This is an old term. You're looking for fat people. Fat. Like, what does that mean? Faithful, available, and teachable. People that will show up to go through the book with you. People that will be there. People that want to learn. They're available and they're willing to be 
taught. There's a teachable spirit that they have. Number four, you show them how it works. So now they're doing it with you. Jesus said this, right? For I've given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. These are Jesus's words. So Jesus is saying, what I did, now I want you to do. It's caught, not taught. Here's the fifth. This is the hard one for us now in the discipleship realm. Our culture struggles in this area. You're willing to have the hard conversations, okay? No coach, no teacher, no trainer. By the way, discipleship will affect you as a team builder at your job. Most employees say, I don't get any feedback from my boss. I don't get very little. Do I get any kind of constructive feedback from the culture that I'm in? All they do is behind my back talk about how bad I am. So they're looking for feedback, right? So the hard conversations. You can't have an impact without a collision. Second Timothy, that pastoral epistle, Paul says, be ready in season and out of season to reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience. Anybody been involved with people? Patiently correcting, directing, bringing them along. It grows you. Now, some of you are, on this point, many of you, most of you listening to me, wherever you're listening, terrible at this, having hard conversations. Most of us are. Most of us are like, oh my gosh, I don't want them to say that. I don't want to say that. Some of you are good at it. You're just running around like, boom. Well, I'm just telling the truth. Just telling people the truth. Yeah, you're telling a lot of people the truth, but you're a jerk. <laughs> so if you are a truth person, we need your gift. And we've missed what truth is in the body of Christ. The Bible says we speak the truth in love. So truth is not absent from love. If you love somebody, you tell them the truth. If you really love and care about somebody, You tell them the truth, but if those of you that are truth-oriented, you need to up your relational game. You need to up your value add, your investment add. You need to build a platform of relationships to share your truth. A lot of people that are truth-oriented are relationally dysfunctional, so they hold all their truth and end up frustrated. So you got, it's both. Now, let's talk about being a disciple and receiving truth. So there's some of you out there going, make a disciple? No one's ever done anything. No one's ever discipled me. No one's ever given me anything. How teachable are you? Because a teachable spirit invites help. The more you're open, the more you're willing. I had my pastors here this week. They preached at Prepare. They were at the events. They're around me. One of my pastors this week was looking at me saying, because I always ask them, anything you see, anything. I don't want to be blind. Tell me what you think. And he started hedging. Well, you know, how many of you know, the further you go up, the harder it is for people to be honest with you. The harder it is. Some of you that are strong personalities, you got this or you got that or whatever, you think you're all that in the bag of chips, you're in danger of one, you're one step from stupid. So I told my pastor, I said, whoa, 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 well, stop right there. I'm going to make this easy on you. Tell me everything you're thinking right now. Everything. Because Why? I'm trying to get better. I'm trying to grow. I've, I'm, I am a product of the investment of people in my life. Can I just offer one thing? I'm not great at a lot of things. One thing I have been is like, hey, help me. Because I need a lot of help. 
If you have a teachable spirit, you will invite help into your life. But some of us in here, you got to get better at, it's about 85 to 90%. Great job, good job. Why'd you burn the leaves? But there's also moments where you go, that attitude will kill your future. You, you need to be the kind of person where if all the closest people in your life go, you're hard-headed, you're independent, and what you're doing, stupid. You need to go, thank you, do you see anything else? Thank you for caring enough to tell me so that I don't end up off course somewhere. There's a percentage of this where you want the people that know you most and love you the most to feel absolute freedom to tell you honestly where you're at. It'll save your life. Here's the final thing. You're like, how do I know if I did it? How do we know if we got there? How do we know if we hit it? Well, you expect them to make a disciple because orange trees make oranges. Lemons make lemons. Dogs make dogs. And guess what? Disciples don't just attend church. Disciples don't just study Bible verses. Disciples don't just do Christian stuff and talk about Christian things and use Christianese. Disciples make disciples. They reproduce what they are. Jesus said it this way, you didn't choose me, I chose you. And I chose you to go and bear much fruit, fruit that will last. I got a lot of the concepts here from a book written in 1958 by Robert Coleman called The Master Plan of Evangelism. And Robert Coleman says something, and I'm closing here, and I'm going to have you stand, tell you a story, and pray for you. Robert Coleman, I think, hits the nail here right directly. He hits the bullseye here with what he says. Why do we have so much Christian activity but few people making? He hits the nail on the head right here. You need to do it because Jesus asked you to do it and you're only going to do it if you get started. And can I say this? I, would, I, I wish I could preach a whole another section, but you guys got to go eat. We got to pray for the cowboys. We got stuff to do. I wish I could preach a whole section on disciple making that I would just preach the whole message. Don't quit. Because people can frustrate you and this person didn't receive it and that person, but you never know within the atmosphere, the one or two that just grab a hold of it and run. You never know. Don't quit. Jesus had one too. Jesus had, the Son of God had a Judas. It's okay. Just keep going. And you're not doing it for you, by the way. You're doing it to please your master. You're doing it to serve him. But I believe this is what holds us back. Robert Coleman says, this is, this is why I think a lot, there's so much activity but very little making. He says, it will be slow. Oh, gosh, man, that's, praise the Lord. Slow? Oh, man, we're in the microwave instant. Door dash me a disciple. Slow? We don't like anything that's slow. It'll be slow. Tedious. Any ADD people? Squirrel. Tedious, like, oh my gosh, I don't know how to, that didn't work. I mean, they're not responding to that. Anybody got a teenager? They know everything. They know it all. You're like, ah. Try that. 
Try this. 23, when their brainstem connects, they'll come back and apologize for all their stupidness. Just hold on, okay? Tedious. Tedious. Probably unnoticed. This doesn't make Instagram. You know, this doesn't, like, whoa, how did, unnoticed by people. Look what it says, at first, but in its end, it's glory. It's a long play. Stand on, on your feet for a minute. Let me tell you the story of Milestone. Some of y'all are new here. We're a product of discipleship. This is the play. When you come here, you feel family, families that make disciples. You're feeling that in the atmosphere. I want to get, if I really believe this, listen to me online. If 10 of you, if five of you, if just a few of you grab a hold of what I'm talking about, the kingdom will move forward this weekend. Not everybody will. A lot of us will go back to our Christian activity. We'll sit 15, 20 years doing the same Christian stuff, but some of you out there are going to go, Jesus said it, I got it, I'm getting a rake. And the kingdom's going to move forward because of it. Milestone is a product of that. We moved here with 32 people, friends of mine. I discipled for a two-year period. We moved into a cafetorium, sent out a mailer, hoping we'd get hundreds of people wanting to come be a part of our church. We wanted Instagram. We wanted DoorDash Church. We didn't get that. I sent out a mailer. Seven weird people came the next Sunday. The most bizarre people you've ever met in your life. Nobody like y'all. Other services had a few in them. Man, we just went to discipling people. Brianna Gare was the first person to move here. Her name was Brianna St. John at that time. She moved here, got a job at a mortgage company. She's like a spiritual daughter to me. She was in our college ministry in Abilene, Texas. She came here. She introduced me to a guy named Eddie Guerra. Eddie Guerra ended up marrying Brianna. Brianna works with our executive uh, communications, and Eddie serves with our serve team and leaders, and they're here today. But here was the power of discipleship. I started taking Eddie and Patrick through a foundations book. Can I encourage some of you, when you take people through foundations, what you also find a lot of times is people who think they're Christians are not Christians, and the reason we do the first part of the foundation is to make sure they get saved right. A lot of times we're wanting people to act like followers of Christ, but they're not born again. They're not born again, and it takes time sometimes. I believe discipleship evangelism is the most solid evangelism. It changes and transforms people. Started working with them. Eddie went to his parents. His dad had seven DUIs, lost, had a bunch of things, led his parents to Christ, baptized them in a swimming pool. Here at the Keller campus, the last service, his parents were sitting right there. They were on the front row of prepare all week long, praying over people, Mr. Eddie and Miss Ginger. That's the fruit of discipleship going on. But what also happened was Patrick said, hey, my dad, my dad has kind of attended church, kind of been a, in, in Catholicism, this and that. And my dad's kind of lost. Pastor Jeff, let's, let's do a foundations book with him. So here I am thinking, man, all these people are going to come to our new Keller church, listen to my powerful and prolific messages, and I had hair back then. And Patrick is picking me up in a Ford probe that had enough smoke coming out of the back of it that every mosquito and bird along the way would die. And we drove from here to downtown Fort Worth to the Petroleum Club, and the group started with me and Mr. Ed, his son, and a waiter. 
By the end of it, we had all these oil field service people and a bunch of companies. And six months later, Mr. Ed Summers, who's now one of our board of trustees, I went and had lunch with him and he professed Jesus as his Lord and Savior right there in that restaurant. Yeah. And then, then Patrick goes, well, my dad's not this. I got this guy named Ron. He brings Ron. Ron and Nazu are in divorce court. They're in a trouble, man. Their marriage is in trouble. Ron gets right with Jesus. Azu gets saved. And now in Hazlitt right now, at Christmas, there were 1,200 people at our Hazlitt campus led by this couple here that all started from discipleship. It all, it's slow. It's tedious. It's relatively unnoticed. There were no TV cameras coming to my, to my house there in Pecan Creek Circle in Wood Spring. You know, Pastor Jeff is doing amazing things for Jesus right now. He's about to get in this Ford probe. It's going to be awesome. We want to follow him today. This is amazing. No one saw it. You're like, why am I telling? We have this in our church. I want this for you. Your kids, the people around your life that you care about, the team members that you care about, the people you can invest in. And, and, and again, don't get frustrated with all the externals. Get a rake and make a difference. Everybody bow your heads. I believe this is an impartation more than it is information. My children, my grandkids, I got grandkids now. I can't wait for the day I get to take my grandkids through a foundations book. Pour my life. I'm better now because I've been raking for 30 years. You can start today. Lord Jesus, I pray not for information, but impartation around this message. If one or two or three just grab a hold of it, realize we're not studying for study's sake. We're, we're learning and growing so we can make. Lord, I pray, Lord, that something would burn on the inside of their souls, Lord, right now from this, this moment we've had together, that you, Holy Spirit, would deposit something in them that they'd never be able to shake. They would never, ever be the same as a result of that impartation coming today in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If there's anything we can do to help you in your walk with Jesus, please don't hesitate to reach out through our website at milestonechurch.com. And if you found this podcast helpful, leave a review on the podcast app or your favorite podcast platform. We hope you have a great week.